welcome to the Through the Lens of Learning podcast. If we haven't met, hello, I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Schroyer. I'll give you two words that summarize me to a T, lifelong learner. Join me as I share a bit about my own journey of curiosity, learning, and wonder. You'll also get to hear from some phenomenal individuals on what they're curious about learning and what they have to share too. Are you itching with excitement yet? I am, so let's get started. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the, this next episode of Through the Lens of Learning. And today I have an amazing guest with me, Terry Godfrey. So, Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. So let's get started. Um, Terry, do you want to share just a little bit uh, about yourself with the audience? Sure. Um, actually, I grew up in the southern part of West Virginia, down in the coal town, coal uh, country of, of, of West Virginia, and uh, found out really quick that I didn't want to be a coal miner, even in the early ages of high school. Uh, and I wanted to get an education. Um, and, and I knew that I couldn't get that education beyond high school through my grades. So I had to use my athletic ability. And so I actually went off to college, uh, not necessarily on a football scholarship, but to play football. And I think that was about it. So I uh, went to a small school in the southern part of the state uh, called Concord College at the time. Was there about a month. The student body came on board, uh, met a girl um, uh, on in September of 1977, uh, who eventually became my wife in in '84, uh, and uh, we're still married, uh, going on 30 some plus years here. This uh, uh, this month or in November, rather. Uh, from there, I, I did finally graduate. I think I, I, I was listening to your story, and it, it's kind of um, uh, parallel with mine to a certain degree, but uh, had a chance to go back home to the southern part of the state to teach school, but chose to come to Charleston. Um, ended up teaching school, uh, started out in science uh, for a while, and, uh, and then moved into the, the area that I wanted to do, and that was physical education, elementary level, and actually coached high school football. Um, from there, um, I had applied for a, a local chemical company. And uh, if you hear my dog bark, it's, he, he's not <laughs> used to this. So, um, but Ended up leaving the teaching profession after about three years, and it, and it was for money. It, it wasn't for uh, anything, especially not instructional design or something of that nature. Worked uh, 19 and a half years at a chemical plant. Four of that was as an operator, moved into their training department, was a part of that group for the remaining 15 years and got downsized, which was um, was a really good thing in my life at that time because of what was taking place at that plant. Did a little bit of consulting work for a year uh, and then was uh, brought on uh, a local, well, actually a, a gas company up in uh, Pittsburgh as a technical trainer. Uh, spent eight years there uh, doing multiple, wearing multiple hats, uh, LMS, uh, designing, teaching, you name it. Decided to, uh, after about eight years, to focus more in the instructional design, uh, moved over to another gas company, and uh, within a year, they were purchased by the current company that I'm employed by, 
um, and uh, became a quote unquote a, a learning consultant slash instructional designer. Work in St. Albans, West Virginia, uh, me and another individual. Uh, our, our staff is in Calgary, Canada, so we pretty much work remote, period. Um, having a great time, uh, involved with a lot of different types of projects with uh, technicians, uh, corporate individuals. Uh, there's such a variety. My area of focus that I enjoy the most is is really with the, uh, with, with the blue collar type individual um and have fun doing that so that's that's where i'm at right now um and uh, having the time of my life believe it or not <laughs> awesome and we had the opportunity to talk a little bit earlier in the week and yes. there are definitely a lot of parallels between our stories the academic <laughs> involvement um yes. college and teaching and then the corporate life and then getting into you know mm -hmm. learning and development um, so, Terry, before we start to dig in a little bit more into your journey, can you share uh, what does learning mean to you? It's really interesting when, with you utilizing that question. That has been a, a hot topic with the group that I work with. Uh, we, we have a, uh, every other Friday community of learning. Uh, it's just our group of about six. We meet for about an hour, and the topic of discussion for about the last three or four sessions has been learning. And, and uh, we, we are challenged constantly to to look a little bit more in depth to that particular area um, because we we do have an lms system we have hundreds of uh, online courses so you know one of the things that i look at in in terms of, of learning it's it's uh, i define it as a, as a little bit more than a set of facts um, it, it's a way of satisfying someone's uh, curiosity. I think it's their their way of um, uh, looking to um, probably do something beyond they're capable of doing at that present time. Um, I, I don't think learning is uh, done to you, if I could say it that way. I think it's a choice, and one of the big things that it. it, it uh, uh, requires active participation upon the, the individual. Um, uh, I think it, it's a journey or an experience, but unfortunately, uh, especially in the, the industry that I'm in, uh, it's more treated like an event than a journey. Um, and that is something that I'm working really um, hard at of trying to get changed, especially in the area um, uh, that I'm responsible for. Uh, one last thing, uh, effective learning happens, happens, I think, in the, in the context of real life, real world tasks and issues and problems, and that's just day-to-day -day, uh, activities. Um, I, I saw a quote the other day, which I wrote it down, and, and, I, and I forgot to write the guy's name down, so, uh, but it says, it's never been easier to learn what we need to learn. Um, and when I saw that, it reminded me, uh, um, we, my mother passed away last year and I was a part of the estate. So we were cleaning out her house and ran across the old uh, encyclopedias that uh, they had purchased for us way back in the late early 70s and late 60s. And uh, it just started me thinking about how things have progressed <laughs> to the point, and I'm, I'm getting to be a part of that. Uh, right. You know, so, uh, you know, that that's, uh, that's my way of kind of looking at learning that it's more uh, a choice and it's something that uh, we choose to do and it can't be done to us. Um, 
So, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I want to talk a little bit about, you talked about sometimes learning a scene as an event versus a journey. Mm -hmm. And I have definitely heard that, especially in the corporate space and probably in the last 15, 20 years, it was more concerning of how many butts you had in seats versus kind of what the outcomes were. Um, Mm -hmm. So how do you work through that with leadership to show them that it's not just, you know, it's quality over quantity? Well, and that's another interesting, I guess the timing of this interview is real appropriate. We just recently moved into uh, the HR group of our our company, our corporation, and, uh, you know, we're rather large. We were uh, kind of a separate entity of training, learning, and development, and we, uh, so, there we seem to have a really good uh, focus on the non-event, the more experience, but now we're over into um, the HR and, and not being critical of HR, but it seems they are more on the side of education than they are on learning. And, and again, nothing wrong with education. Where we struggle in the industry that I'm in and even the chemical industry that I was in before is we kind of combine training with learning. And I think training is one component of learning. And we just use both of them, both of them in the context of, of the same. And, uh, uh, and they're not. And so part of my responsibility um, and, and the others within our group is to communicate that with uh, the SMEs that we work with every day, um, different ones. Um, and then we are actually, um, will be working more closely with our manager and her manager in the HR, uh, because that's one of the, the, the things that we're going to be tackling here in the coming years is, is the amount of, um, courses that are assigned to a new person coming in and how that is oh my goodness our our technicians it's it's really difficult to believe but it's somewhere around 110 to 120 oh my goodness and so uh so it's a matter of an open dialogue um Mm -hmm. and you know we have that privilege um you know we uh, the tough part is 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 getting together um even though i mean we we still work remote um and uh but it it is something that our company is looking at not just uh, me as a person Mm -hmm. um but i i work really close with the smes when i'm getting ready to do something and i try to guide them in that direction so okay yeah i think no matter if you have trained training, if you have leadership or learning and development, if it's centralized or decentralized, you're going to have pros and cons either way. Yes. And like you said, it's the open dialogue, being able to work together to talk through it. And, you know, what's the best way to do this for who Mm -hmm. our audience is and who our stakeholders are. Mm -hmm. So Terry, when you were a kid, I imagine you didn't think to yourself, I want to be an instructional designer one day. I never um, even heard of the term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it that you thought when you were a kid that you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a school teacher and a football coach. Okay. Um, okay. It, you know, that was something literally I, I wanted to do even, um, you know, growing up in a, the southern part of the state. Um, uh, I don't recall having any teachers in my family. I, I could very well have but it was just um, the, the thought. I think the teaching came more part of wanting to to get into coaching, um, you know, really, 
until uh, I met my future wife uh, and I had a great grandmother, um, didn't really have anything beyond that. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, I knew I had to get a degree uh, and I wanted to play football. And then I found out football was really, you know, not not much of interest. And then I'll be honest with you, you know, the first year and a half of school in college, I had no study skills. I found out it was just a different world than growing up in a high school, small school athlete, uh, didn't have to hardly even open books. So wanted to be a school teacher, wanted to be a, um, a football coach and was able to fulfill that. Uh, not that it, it, uh, left my feelings after three years i think what left my feelings was not making much money <laughs> so uh, you know when the chemical plant offers you an immediate ten thousand uh, dollar pay increase in the mid 80s uh, it's mm -hmm. hard to turn that down and it's all paid off in the long run so right right and i could tell you our stories parallel with that too because when i was younger i wanted to be specifically an english high school teacher mm -hmm. And, but I had started working while I was going to school and realized that the money was way more than I would ever make teaching. So mm -hmm. that kept me on the corporate path. So I know a lot of people who wind up in learning and development and especially in instructional design get there by accident. And I mm -hmm. think that kind of happened with you. Um, how, how did you end up getting into the instructional design space? I, I think first and foremost, when I first went off to college, one of the, my, my minor was going to be in art and I actually thought I could draw, but I couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I could trace very well. So uh, when, when I got into that, you know, I realized, you know, that that's not a really good minor. So I, I, I majored in science, but, uh, once I got into the chemical company, uh, the chemical plant, uh, even on the initial interview back in 1984 or 86, uh, they had just started a training department. Of course, they didn't call it training and development or learning and develop. And it was as a result of, I hate to say, an explosion that they had had the year before. And so the regular regulate, regulators come in and, um, you know, said, hey, how do you train people? So I was fortunate to, you know, be recognized with my background. It was um, in, in the infant stage. Um, and so they asked me up front during the interview if I would be interested in getting into their training department. And I said, we can start there. And, uh, and, and that just wasn't the process. So within three and a half years uh, after gaining uh, some really good chemical uh, operations type background uh, with my science degree, uh, they had a, an apprenticeship program. And so I actually moved over in to their group uh, and began teaching the science side of their apprenticeship program and uh, just had an interest in, in software, had a, a coworker who, uh, and so I was, I was broke in on Corel Draw. Uh, I don't, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And it, that was years ago and, uh, they had a form of Photoshop. And so I, I got to tinkering around with that, but started out when, uh, flatbed scanners were $2,000 and Hewlett Packard laser printers were two grand. So, uh, from there, it just, um, I, I, I saw where, uh, instructional design, computer-based training through magazines and some reading was going to be the future. And uh, just kind of jumped in, kind of toyed around with it constantly. Uh, I'm very big on um, um, design, love, love creating things that 
are appealing, not only pretty, but also uh, they relate. Uh, just read an article yesterday talking about, well, someone posted on LinkedIn about please do away with those little cartoon characters when you're talking about a technique. <laughs> a technical type topic so uh you know we uh but uh, the industry we're in you know we have all kinds of equipment we they supply us with anything and everything cameras but that's that's where i jumped into uh, and then after uh, teaching for about eight years uh, compressor operations uh, corrosion um, and uh, measurement and different things uh, was just uh, enticed through several people say, hey, you really need to focus on instructional design. And as my life has been through blessing after blessing, a position came open with uh, Columbia uh, titled instructional design. And I just applied for it and within two weeks was working for them. So, uh, awesome. yeah. Very cool. And you have done a lot to learn more. You're very curious getting mm -hmm. out there and gaining knowledge. Even when we talked, one of the topics you had mentioned was VR and AR. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us like a little bit more about what those are mm -hmm. and then also your journey to learn more about those and maybe what you were able to uh, find available? I really don't have a technical definition of either one. No, that's uh, fine. But yeah, but I, I, yeah, I will talk about the virtual side of it, um, where that really came into play. I've, I've never had a headset on. I've never been in a virtual environment. The very first time that I was ever introduced to that, and, and this will age me, was in a conference in Chicago in 1991, and it was in this big ballroom, and the guy was standing on this uh, mat, and he had goggles on, and he had this suit on, had all these little electrodes, and, 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 he, and we got to see on the screen of him going into an assembly line and actually running assembly line. Of course, we, we, we didn't have that capability. So um, very fond of, and I'll give articulate storyline a plug here. I, I really think that's a good program. Um, you know, Rise is great for that um, um, agile type uh, development, but storyline uh, has capabilities. And then they came out last year, I think it was with uh, 360 degree imaging. And uh, I, I have just grabbed a hold of that and taken off with that um, from a standpoint of just enabling the operators, the technicians to on a computer screen or even on their, their iPhone mm -hmm. to manipulate the screen to where they can go in a 360 uh, mm -hmm. in the process of creating a course now where uh, it's in measurement and it's how to perform uh, the measurement on a, uh, a particular uh, piece of equipment. And uh, they actually go into the facility through a series of 360 degree images and they move around and, and uh, click yeah. on items and watch videos and, and then they exit the facility. And uh, uh, if I may share one more next mm -hmm. Tuesday, myself, JB and I were actually uh, shooting video, 360 uh, video and images and regular audio for a uh, torque um, uh, trailer that they purchased. And so the individuals will be able to actually go into this torque trailer and, and 
without goggles or anything and feel as if they're just standing there and they can move around and see all the equipment. So when I, when, when I see that and think of that, uh, one of the things that I've done pretty much all my career, uh, and, and actually had it confirmed through a class I was teaching, it's like you're teaching, you're, you're creating things and teaching us as if you're sitting here with us. And I, th I think that's our job. I think, uh, as an instructional designer, if I can't add, uh, value to to the creation of something then why am i even creating it um the augmented uh reality thing the ar um had no idea what it was uh, uh, six months ago uh, saw uh saw this class uh in on online uh, through betty and again forgive me i can't think of her last name betty danowitz yes yes She's amazing I, yeah and i <laughs> thought i'm going to take this thing just to see so i went out and looked at the definition of superimposing uh, or augmenting uh, things onto real life activities and uh, oh my goodness it just you know i created this little thing and i thought boy can this not add some value in the industry that i work in and so took the class did a safety moment with our um uh, my staff actually getting ready to do one monday we're doing another one of those um dog and pony shows i'll probably get in trouble for saying that but um we're, we're doing another one probably have about five six uh, new HR management people there. So the safety uh, moment is going to be another AR experience in office safety. Um, and so uh, I, I've incorporated some, a, a little short video and so forth. So uh, my, my, my best one was uh, the walking dead. So <laughs> I, I did a little quiz on the walking dead. So that's cool. There's an opportunity out there for our technicians. Um, it's been, um, brought up, explored to where if they go into this meter facility, this meter building, it, there could be a QR code uh, sticker on the wall. And when they scan that with, with their phone, it'll tell them some of the things that they have to actually do before they enter that building, like check for gas and so forth. The other thing is uh, eventually getting to the point to where they're working on a piece of equipment uh, and then they just scan a QR code. It comes up, they drop it on something locally and then if they need the instructions or if they forget they just pick their phone up or their, their tablet up and kind of look at it scan through and find out uh, you know watch a short video so all of that in itself has just oh my goodness it, it just uh, I love it it, it, it keeps yeah. me young I maybe is what I'm saying <laughs> technology is amazing oh, I mean it, for, especially for those parents who maybe their kids are playing video games or things like that. Because sometimes when we think about virtual reality, people automatically go to that entertainment side of it yes, and don't yes. realize the value that it can bring to learning mm -hmm. in, you know, an organization and a corporate environment. And I, I don't think we will ever uh, in industry, and I may be wrong, get to the point to where we have the full headsets. Uh, I think we could possibly get to where we have the, the uh, uh, partial headsets for AR. I don't mm -hmm. know where we, we could get, be, uh, you know, 
one of the things is there there is a pushback uh, from uh, from the, the workers in uh, computer-based training and e-learning. You know, they are more uh, on the job, structured on the job yep. training. They want their hands on it. But I'm I'm blending all of that together, and I'm finding success with with the feedback that I get from the technicians. That's that's my customer now. You know, it might look pretty to to management, and and they really like it. But if it doesn't uh, make um, that that person in the field want to go take a look at that again, or even stay in it, or just instead of just trying to get through it, um, then we failed. Um, that's just where I come from, from an industry uh, instructional designer. So. Right. Well, especially in your industry too, and several others, that safety is yes. of the utmost importance. Yes. So yes. making sure that you know your end user is using this, that is valuable. It is helping to keep your safety numbers, you know, where they need to be and that kind of thing. Yeah, we did a, we did a, uh, we videotaped a, um, a fire extinguisher school here. Uh, it was out in a field and, and, and integrated in it some 360 video and people, the, the instructor and the people were just, because it was as if they were standing there in the field and they could turn around and see the guys uh, recharging, uh, you know, their fire extinguishers and turn back around and see somebody walking in to put out a fire with a fire extinguisher and, and then look over here in this group here, all in one clip, uh, you know, and uh, again, I have to give credit also to my, my coworker that I work with. He, he's a young 33 year old and he is so, you know, he pushes me, but he, you know, we just kind of compliment each other. Yeah. It sounds like uh, but, a good mix for sure. Oh, it really is. It, it, yeah. I really enjoy working with him. So, um, um, I've, I've always had those types of people, whether they be coworkers or even managers, that's always, uh, trusted me and kind of put me out there and, and, um, pushed me to, to a degree of saying, you know, here's some stretch things that I want to give a hold of you. You know, yeah. I didn't always just grab a hold of them. I kind of, complain a little bit every now and then but <laughs> hey we all have those moments yes. <laughs> so terry what would you say maybe in the last year or so was the most exciting thing that you've gotten to do in um, your learning journey work from home i truly you know that that uh, to me now you know i don't i didn't like the pandemic obviously mm -hmm. But I, in that eight, first 18 months or 16 months, uh, just so productive, uh, didn't put on weight, actually lost 25 pounds. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and put it back on now that we're back in the office. So, uh, but it, it really gave me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I, I enjoy collaborating with, with my coworkers, especially the guy I work with. Um, but we stayed in contact with each other every single day. I mean, he lives in one county, I live in another, but you know, we, we were on calls with each other if we needed to be, right. but we're real big on if we, if we don't need to be on a call, we don't need to be on a call. And so I had started, I'm an early riser. I'm up every day, probably no later than four 30 in the morning, Wow! every day, seven days a week. Uh, this started years ago. Um, and so at that time I had set my hours and we could do that, um, to start at 6 AM. And fortunately that was uh, two hours ahead of Calgary time. So it was 4 AM. So by the time they were even thinking getting out of bed, I had already put in about four and a half 
to five hours of deep work. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> It just, I loved it. And, yeah. and that was, the, that was exciting for me. Um, and it, uh, the flip side of that, it really started me looking at the freelance side, but then you have to weigh <laughs> everything. And, and there's some great people out there. Tim Slade did a, uh, a really good uh, webinar with, with a panel of people in there. Um, I will I give worked. a plug for his instructional design Academy. Oh, top okay. notch. Yeah. So anybody who's interested in that, Tim Slade. Well, I've got his book. I, I yeah. follow him. I, I, I watch his videos that he do, does every week, um, yeah. you know, regardless, but he did that webinar on freelancing because uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of things flying around the screen out there that, you know, uh, quit your job, become an instructional designer designer and make six figures and you know he was wanting that to stop um you know um yeah you can make six figures but you got your overhead as a freelancer that i i do not have i mean it, and, and we get anything we want i'll be very honest with you um you know so uh that kind of went by the wayside other than there's some um uh, i think some side things that i want to begin doing uh, locally here with the 360 camera going in and visiting some uh, hotels and see if they're interested in uh, like a little photo shoot of, uh, you know, 360 of their lobby, their rooms. And I've already kind of scoped it out a little bit and just to see if they have them and they don't. And so th there's some playing around with that that I want to do later on. But right. you know, I, I still like my home time. Uh, you know, my downtime. Uh, today, Saturday. After this, I probably won't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been raining for four days. <laughs> yeah, I do like the idea too. On the side, like you don't have to be a full time freelancer. Are there small projects you can do, whether they're mm -hmm. paid or unpaid? Because yeah. you're so curious about learning and you want to practice the 360. Like you said, is there a hotel? Maybe it's a smaller chain or something that doesn't have those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. They're going to get value. You're going to get the value in learning it. I love that. My, uh, the guy I work with, he, um, he, he, he's into drone photography. Now he does, he does, cool. you know, uh, camera shoots. Um, he actually, uh, shoots, uh, these MMA fights in the state. He goes around and, and of the fighters and, uh, during the fights. And, and, uh, so he has a good time. Doesn't make a lot of extra money, but you know, he has fun, but now he's into the drone and he posted one of his drones of, of Charleston. Um, and uh, ended up um, being called to to shoot some drone video of them of this construction company building this deck on this guy's house on the side of this hill and he just finished it the other day and the guy told him you know um, you know with the, with the next few projects i'm going to have you involved with i mean he didn't even ask for them so there's a market out there and oh, yeah. and you know i've got a good friend in him because uh, we can complement each other with some of the things that we have an interest in but yeah, there's some, what do they call them? Side hustles, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to hustle necessarily either. It's yeah, yeah, on your yeah, time, right? <laughs> yeah. Just got to give up some of your home time. So. Right, right. Awesome. Well, before we close up, Terry, anything else you want to share just about your learning journey overall? Uh, no, I just, I, I, uh, I want to thank people like yourself, uh, that, that keeps coming to mind. I know I've done that and said that before. I want to thank yourself, uh, Tom McDowell, who is out in uh, the UK for giving, um, you know, people that just have an interest, uh, some kind of grassroots type individuals, uh, you know, um, 
almost feel privileged that 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 you kind of picked me to be on this after watching Kara North because she's an established, you know, uh, <laughs> she's a good friend of mine. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yep. So, uh, so you know, uh, that I want to thank yourself um, for for that opportunity and um, um, and it's it's helped me to reach um, uh, another milestone that I that identified in January with my personal development. Um, once again, you know, you got to take control of it. Uh, it doesn't happen for you. Uh, it doesn't, or it doesn't happen to you. You got to go get it. And I, and this is what I did with just signed up, you know, you, you gave the invite, I put my name in the hat and boom, here we are. So thank you. Yeah. So. yeah, definitely good to get curious and put yourself out there. It's a little uncomfortable, but eh, yeah. open and the things that you can learn are amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Terry, thank you again for being um, a, a guest on this podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah. And um, if someone wants to connect with you or send you a question or anything like that, what is the best place to do that? Uh, just LinkedIn. Um, and and you, you can type in Terry Godfrey and and um, I, I can't even remember the complete address of it, but uh, I don't get a lot of a lot of play for lack of better words. You know, I don't, but uh, that, that's where if you, you have a question or anything, you just look me up on LinkedIn. My picture pretty much looks the same. So we're close. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Terry. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Through the Lens of Learning podcast. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Upskill University. You can find more information about how to become part of the Upskill community for free. This and other episodes of the Through the Lens of Learning podcast and more on the website at www.upskilluniversity.com. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome day.